camping out with God. The old timers taught us the only purpose of a camp meeting you'll ever get nailed down is it's a special time set aside for God's people to camp out with God and God chooses to manifest himself to his people however he wants to. And you can't be in no hurry. And you can't dictate terms to God. A real camp meeting is it's a spiritual journey. It's like a mountain stream that starts somewhere at the top of that mountain, a spring. It trickles comes down, gathers water and strength as it comes down. There'll be waterfalls that are impressive. There'll be deep, quiet pools. That thing eventually take you to the river. And so, I personally believe camp meeting's a special ministry raised up by the Lord in the last days because we got more demons on the planet than we've ever had. We got to have more unction on us than we've ever had. I believe that's why we got radio preaching. We got all these devices now. We can have church singing and preaching all the time. Our grandparents didn't have that. And they didn't have the meetings that we have. The volume of them and the uh, quantity of them, the availability of them. There's more demons on the planet. We're at the end. Y'all do know that. They strong devils marching through. And it don't make me nervous. These youngins, and I don't even see kids here. I see people that body ain't grown up yet. And they're getting this. Somebody said, you think the kids are getting it? That is not my question. I pastored a decade myself. I grew up in a pastor's home. I've been on the mission fields and I've been evangelist full time 18 years. And my question is not, are the children getting it? What I'm wondering is, are the adults getting it? I ain't saying that to be smart alecky. It's really the truth. These children receive it. They have a childlike faith. And it soaks in their little spirit. And the adults is who has a hard time. You know what we have a hard time with? Unbelief. Some children got that childlike faith. While they're praying, uh, look at Ephesians real quick. It's how we started the meeting. It's going to show you something. Take 60 seconds. (laughs) Boy, I've lost all credibility, hadn't I? Some of you, uh, we pointed it. Give me some more volume, boys, or make me think I'm loud. Ephesians, 
And you heard a before and after, a husband and wife sitting right here. Six-year-old church kid. Raised in it, homeschooling, teaching, singing. A religious person got saved. There's a before and after. And then her husband come right out of hell's headquarters. There's a before and an after. God came and went and got him and she went and got God. And they're both okay. Ephesians 1, 4 Circle the before. That's them salvations where God comes and gets you out of a rock band. And then Ephesians 1.13, circle the after. That's where it seemed like God wants to work where on our, ye trusted, ye heard, ye believed. He'll let you talk about what you did. <clears throat> Knowing that there were no works involved. That's chapter 2, verse, what, 8, 10? If there's somebody here for the first time, don't know much about the gospel, what verse is it? Not of works? 8 through 10. 8 through 10. All right, now, so you got the before. I preached this all day Sunday, Brother Matthews, Brother Rudd. The before and the after. And the emphasis on some people, their testimony is, I was in a rock band going to hell and God came to where I was. They kind of live in verse four. And then a church kid who knows where the Lord is and goes and gets him. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. And that's the after. Yeah. And then it's the way I saw it. It's repeated in chapter two. Verse 2, Brother Adam, Armstrong. I like Armstrong better than Langston, so. <laughs> Brother Stroud named him Armstrong. That's a much more appealing name. Langston is kind of confuses me. I don't know what it means. Armstrong carries something with it. <clears throat> Circle chapter 2, verse 2. Now, we all did this Sunday morning around here. Uh, is, am I right? Where in? In time past, and then verse 7. For in the ages to come, and some folk, when they testify, they go to their path. Yeah. They have to say, Y'all ain't going to believe where I was when the Lord found me. And then, church kids, we ain't got much of a past to talk about. We licked the bottom of the Lord's Supper cup a little too much, and probably blasphemy in that. I mean, we never get grape juice. We're church kids. Come on, help me. That was probably wicked. So I'm pretty sure stealing from the church is bad, and I've done it the whole time. I still do it occasionally when they put me in a prophet's chamber. I can get in any church kitchen. I know where the bus candy is to this day. I can find it in less than three minutes, I guarantee you. Stealing bus candy and animal crackers and sipping the grape juice, which is probably blasphemy in some measure. But see, we church kids, we, we, we don't go to the, we're in time past. But then some of us, our testimony is, in the ages to come. When some folk testify, they go to their past and rejoice. And then some folk, they go to their future and rejoice. Yes, sir. 
You see in it before and after. Time passed. The ages to come. He's looking back at where God brought him. She's looking forward to them kids where God's taken them. Now, here's what I wanted y'all to see. Because there's been a lot of before and after talk this week. But you got to get chapter 2, verse 13, or it don't mean nothing. What's it say? But now. Help me now. But now. You get on far enough, and then it, it blends together. And then you no longer talk about your past or her religion. It's just but now. And them next three words are absolutely the most glorious. Somebody say it for me. In Christ Jesus. Woo! It even says, the next verse or two, he hath made both one. (laughs) Broke down the middle wall of partition. We know that was Jews and Gentiles, but that very much means religious and pagan. He has made both one. Brother Adam, you live long enough. If you live long enough in this thing, people that got saved with a, in time past, they get, they get to a point where they start looking at the future. Okay? Y'all with me? And if you live long enough, people that church kids that got saved, they'll start looking back and realizing, whoo, what I could have been. You got to live a couple or three decades before that starts. And it blends. (laughs) And then you reach a point in the church where you don't even notice who was out of the drunkard's house and who was out of the deacon's house. The drunkard's house or the deacon's house. Then it just becomes, but now. In Christ Jesus. Amen. That but now. Hallelujah. little tidbit here. When somebody gets up and comes to the altar to get saved, they'll be saved before they hit it. If you got to talk a long time down there, all you're doing is confusing them and you. That's right. When you got to talk a long time down there, that means they're all ready saved. Yeah. That means probably back there somewhere. That's good. Amen. There is a time, Ethiopian eunuch, you got to open the scriptures and talk a long time. But not when they're coming. Coming is what saves you. Amen. And 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 see, they ain't talking. They just kneeling. Help me now. Yeah, you gotta let youngins weep their way to God. Pray their way to God. All that talking usually from a person who don't know what they're talking about. I've been in this thing a long time. Ministry years are like dog years. One year in the ministry is like seven years. Come on, help me now. 
a decade of pastoring gives you like 70 years of wisdom. Amen. Don't let it bother you when church kids get in these meetings and run to the Lord. How could that ever make you nervous that they run to the Lord? You say, well, I'm confused about what they're doing. Then maybe you got the problem. You ought to hit up the altar behind them. You might need to pray a while. Amen. Let them girls have church. Well, now they've made a circle. They've circled the wagons. Ain't no devil getting in there. They've circled them wagons. Woo! Somebody said, uh, let, why, I'm waiting on them. So I get to just talk to y'all. Somebody said, all oh, that shouting makes me nervous. Listen. You got so many devils in your church. Let me tell you what that shouting and running does. It confuses the devils. They can't find you, can't locate you. And they can't talk to you when you're in a wide open charge. That old boy crawled up on the piano bench and got the foaming at the mouth. Little old skinny thing from Apison, from the hills of Tennessee. We was having our annual meeting. You were there, Brother Chris and Brother Stephen. I think you were there. You were the youth pastor and you had a group of boys from Columbus. And I bet he was there. Redhead back there. And, and probably Krauts may have been. That boy got Brian Davis. I just asked him, stand up. All the preacher boys, give me your name and where your church is from. Well, they were too full. That wasn't going to fly. This boy is from the hills and his daddy was a hacking preacher and his grandpa was a hacking preacher. You don't send them boys to Bible college. Number one, they'll tear it up. Number two, they'll mess them up. He ended up, he was little, skinny. He's about 20. But he was, they had a banister. He was up on that thing like a cat. I couldn't do that. Big Mike, I'd pay money to see you try. <laughs> Armstrong could pull it off. And, you know, he's got it. He could. That old boy was up there like a cat. And he was a testifier. And got the foaming at the mouth. We was at Horace Crawford's in Tiftonia. I remember you there because you were skinny back then. <laughs> you walked in that trailer where I was staying with them boys and talked to me a little while. And he got the foaming at the white. He got the foaming. Yes. And it didn't make none of them nervous. Them folks was raised around old time religion. What makes them nervous is people who just sit like a wooden Indian. They get nervous about them. <laughs> is this guy from New York City or he never been saved or what's his deal? And I had a preacher come over to me and he said, you know that boy foaming at the mouth, he was a I don't know, what was he doing? It was something between testifying, praying, and shouting, and preaching all at one time. I don't know what is it. Well, and there he was. And that old preacher come over to me and said, uh, you know, when King David got before that, that heathen king, said, and he got confronted by that heathen king. 
said he went to foaming at the mouth and that, and that king didn't know what to do with him. That's right. Now Satan will be waiting on y'all out there in the parking lot when you leave, but he won't know what to do with you in here if you just run by him flying, foaming at the mouth. And he can't get in there, not right now. It's a blessing. A lot of talk about going to hell tonight. If you need to be saved, you ought to get saved. You can come. Come to Christ. Mm. Yes, sir. We're talking about testimonies tonight. When I was a teenager, I went to uh, the Royal Rangers. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's like a, a Christian Boy Scouts or whatever you want to call it. That one night they said, do you want to get saved? Do you want to go to heaven? I'm like, yes, I want to go to heaven. They said, okay, pray this prayer. I prayed the prayer. I went to church. Yeah. They were all going crazy. And I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Folks, I didn't get saved that day. Yeah. Salvation is not based on a prayer. Right. It's not based on a one, two, three, repeat after me. And now you're going to heaven. Right. I, I can guarantee you somebody who's drowning knows they're about to drown. They need to send somebody to save them. <laughs> Somebody in a burning fire knows they need That's a fire department right. to come and get them. Yep. Because they can't do it themselves. Right. If you are basing your salvation on a prayer, folks, you need to right. you need to get it ready. Get it ready. Yep. It is a personal relationship with the only yep. person that can save you is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's good. The only way. Yep. Amen. Went to the Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptist Church. I heard, I heard priest of fire out of hell. I was like, I don't want to go there. Guess what? That's the day I got saved. That's the day I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen. I know there's no other way I can get to heaven. Not even that prayer I said. Right. I'm trusting in you and all you to get to heaven. That's right. Yes, sir. Folks, we're, this this whole week has been based on what the, what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's been working hard this week. But there may be somebody in here tonight that's been basing on a prayer, on salvation. Folks, you're not going to get to heaven with a prayer. And you get to heaven by knowing Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. God bless you, brother. Amen. Evangelist Bob Darty, a great white-haired man of God back near the side of the Mississippi. He mentioned it one night and got to preaching on it, studied it. The first man to ever get saved after the whole Adam and Eve story was Abel. That's the first person we watch get saved in the Bible. And he's the first mention in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel. And did you know that Abel did not, is what the old preacher taught me that night as he was preaching. Abel does not have one recorded word in the Bible. Y'all are, uh, I'm preaching to the choir. We know we're preaching to the choir. You ain't got to explain none of this. I'm going to say it and y'all will get it. Y'all help me. Oysterton, you better help me too. We're pretty tired tonight. You better help me. What do y'all reckon would we have done with the prayer that the first man ever got saved if he prayed a prayer? What would mankind have done with that? 
we'd live in fear. We'd say it every night and every morning. We'd say it loud. We'd say it quiet. We'd say it backwards. There'd be denominations and whole doctrines built out of all of that. But the first man to ever get saved, God didn't let us hear him say one word. He came before God and he came with the blood of a lamb. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts. And I believe the fire came down and licked up that sacrifice according to the Old Testament pattern. That's how we knew that God gave his approval and testified to it. I don't say it in the passage, but the Old Testament pattern, that's how God put his approval was fire fell on it. That's what I prayed for at the beginning of the week. Fired fall, and it has. This place is on fire. Now, do you think God accepted Jesus' sacrifice? What happened? Woo! When he went back to heaven in chapter one, the fire fell in chapter two, and the tongues of fire leaped off their head. That fire fell on that blood sacrifice. God breathed his fire out to show his approval. So I ain't going to that church. You know, y'all know y'all gonna become one of them, that church. Oh, that's that church. I heard they had service the other night from seven to 11. Hey, we had a giant slurpee. Seven to 11 service. Grape. You go to that church. Heard they bring them, they bring them, that Hanks and McNeese in there. You go to that church. Hallelujah. I like to go to that church where the fire falls. Bless the Lord. If you need to get saved, you ought to. Spirit convinces, Satan confuses. The devil ain't never told a lost person you ain't saved. You say, how do I know it ain't the Lord telling me I'm lost? The Spirit tells you you'll be convinced. You won't be confused. He's a convincer. Satan's telling you you're lost and you're all confused. That's how you know you're saved. He's the accuser of the what? Oh, y'all ain't helping me. Who does he accuse? He don't accuse nobody else. He don't accuse sinners. Lost people, I should say. Well, they've just decided to have church over here. Amen. Y'all sing one verse of that and see what the Lord does. 